welcome to episode 28 of the Godliners podcast, the podcast uh, dedicated to uh, reading and gaming in the mythical world of Peron. My name is Jörg. And I'm Ludovic, aka Lord Abdul. Uh, today we have two guests. Um, let's start with Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hello, Ludo. Hello, Jörg. I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm Kevin Jacklin. I've been writing freeform games for a very long time and role-playing games a little before that. Always a huge fan of RuneQuest. And it's uh, my fateful meeting with David Hall, our other guest, at a board gamers convention in the west of England many, many years ago uh, that has a big bearing on what happened afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, since you spoiled it, yes, the other guest is David Hall. Hi, David. <laughs> Hi. Um, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, I'm David Hall. Um, back in 1989, I co-started a UK RuneQuest and Garantha magazine called Tales of the Reaching Moon. It lasted until 2002 across 20 issues. Um, I was also behind the Reaching Moon Megacorp, um, which produced a number of supporting Garantha publications over the same period. Of course, it wasn't as um, as massive as it, that sounds. It wasn't really a Megacorp. It was basically me operating part-time out, out of a very small flat in Slough. Um, <laughs> lastly, I also set up and ran the Convulsion Games Convention from 1992 to 2002, um, which, continued, which continues to this day as Continuum. And it was at the first Convulsion 92 that we did our first freeform, which was Home of the Bulb. Um, yeah, because um, uh, today we are here to talk about freeform, which I don't know anything, but that uh, you three know a lot, actually. Jörg, when when did you uh, first get into freeforms? Uh, uh, the same year I met David for the first time, which was one year after the first Convulsion. <laughs> so uh, David visited our German RuneQuest convention and... While it wasn't a Glorantham convention, uh, uh, Glorantham freeform, we had uh, Call of Cthulhu freeform, which had me and my uh, lab coat chasing after bird mummy and other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Was there somebody actually dressed as a mummy? No, it, it was an actually a uh, bird corpse uh, desiccated in a, an oven and originally wrapped up in some linen. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Awesome. Gladly, I didn't play in that freeform. Yeah, it was uh, German language only. <laughs> yes. We remedied that two years later. <laughs> exactly, in Berlin, yeah. So, yeah, that was the year I met David for the first time. And the year after, I visited Convulsion, 1994, and uh, had a role to play in How the West Was Won. Which was our second freeform. So, should we maybe start by explaining what the freeform is? Because, you know, I learned about this only recently well i suppose a, a freeform is sort of um a microcosm of well for example home of the bold um if i explain it there we have a 50 player game so there are 50 players who they get a pre-generated character um they get character background they get objectives they're trying to meet they, they, they get a list of who they're supposed to know um, and they get a few abilities and spells to help them get along um but effectively the cast covers the lunar administration, the lunar military, tax collectors, spies, merchants. And on the Sartorite side, it includes the city councillors, guilds people, merchants, the local underworld, um, city constables, who are after the underworld, um, heralds and various members of, of the tribes who are in, in the city. So it's sort of a little microcosm of the whole of society, the whole of the city. And everybody just gets together, talks to each other 
And effectively, as directors, all we do is we write the scene, we write the characters, we sort of coil the spring, and then we just let it go. Um, and by the end of the game, we probably know, well, we don't know very much about the game as, as much as the players will know, because um, they'll be living it and we'll just be trying to work out what the hell's happening. It is very much a, a living thing, you know, for yeah. it, you know, to, to be ultra precise about it. Um, you know, this is not people sitting around a very large table rolling dice. This is a large playing area. Um, people will very often costume uh, for this. Um, it runs over uh, several hours. This particular one, I think, is uh, is an eight or nine hour game uh, with a break um, in in there. So it lasts pretty much for the whole of one day. People get caught up in it. That's the that's the thing about the that freeforms. One of the things that freeforms delivers that regular role playing doesn't do is that you you can actually be lost in in uh, in the in the whole thing. You get you get caught up, and and that's one of the. The, the major um, benefits of a, of a, of a freeform game is, is they are very time-consuming to write and organize, of course, um, and this is why you need a convention to actually support a freeform game. Um, they, they cannot happen anywhere else. And, and you know, we, the very first convulsion had a big freeform game, and you know, David brought me on board because I knew a little bit about them uh uh to um uh, to actually write the, the the very first home of the bold game um yeah just to put this into context what had happened was i'd i'd been in conversation with um sandy peterson uh because i'd written a call of cthulhu scenario and i'd actually managed to visit chaosium uh in the late 1980s and early 90s um, because my company's major offices uh, are in the Bay Area in San Francisco, um, and so I, I, uh, I had a really good excuse to, <laughs> to uh, go and visit visit Coasium, uh and uh, see all the folks at work there. Um, and um, a year or two later, Sandy had moved to Microprose on the east coast of the US, and he told me about a group of folks there who were starting to write uh, freeform games. And this is something that was going on uh, mostly in the, either on the East Coast or the West Coast of the United States called interactive literature, um, which is effectively theatrical, live-action role-playing or freeforms or whatever else you want to you want to talk to them. And, and so Sandy had got into a group where, with uh, other folks, including someone like Lauren Schick, who's got quite a good um, RPG background. He wrote a lot of um, early Dungeons & Dragons material, for example. Anyway, uh, the group was called Crawl Hoax, and um, and they were putting on uh, a, a big free form in a convention uh, on the East Coast. And because I'd got lots of uh, lots of air miles, uh, frequent flyer miles to burn up, I decided it'd be good if myself and a mate, uh, Dan, um, flew over um, to take part in this because this was called um, a game called Cafe Casablanca. Which was effectively a mashup of all the film noir of the late thirties and early forties, including Casablanca, of course. Um, and um, and so, having taken part in this, I thought, well, this is a really cool idea. Um, and when I was back in England, um, I went to a board game convention, and this is where I ran into David Hall. <laughs> uh, you got the no, no, the timeline's all wrong. Is it well, okay? Tell me about it. Back in nineteen eighty-eight. 
Did we? Oh, we knew all that. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I, yeah. timing was all. I, by then, I, I knew Kevin, yeah. and Kevin yeah. told me all about this Cafe Casablanca. It sounded amazing. He, yeah. um, he he showed me his fairs and all these all these costuming and stuff like that. And mm. I thought, mm. and we were about to do the convulsion convention in 1992. So I so I said to him, I want one of those. Yeah. Um, and so foolishly he said, yes, that's right one. And um, so we, together we wrote one. I think probably if we'd known how much work it was, yeah. we might not have done it. But um, it wasn't quite that straightforward. We had to persuade the rest of the convulsion committee that this was a this was a really cool thing to do, and because nobody had ever played in a freeform game, and because they needed to to know how cool they really are, I wrote one which I ran here at my house, <laughs> uh, oh, wow. The Adventures of Robin Hood. I think uh, do I have pictures of you in tights, David? Uh, and uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I thought I did. I, 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 somebody, <laughs> yeah. do, do you want that in the show notes? We can yeah. we can make that. Happen. No, 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 please no. And and none of my kilts in Germany, please no. <laughs> yeah. So so we um, we ran we ran Robin Hood to show uh, with with the commotion committee and a bunch of my friends to show them how a freeform game would work. You know, just in an afternoon. Um, yeah, and. And um, they seemed to like it, and so the following year, '92, um, we uh, we we introduced Home of the Bold to a unsuspecting public at uh, at Convulsion. And so, I, you know, I'm I'm here to ask the dumb questions because I've never played in a free form yet. Well, I'm hoping to play in the the one that you're going to run at Kiosium Con next year. Uh, uh, hopefully, we'll talk about this a bit later. But so. I'm at least familiar a bit with like, you know, murder mystery games, which has, I guess, some commonalities with free forms, but uh, murder mysteries, they have like an inciting incident, the murder, and they have a resolution, which is you reveal who the murderer was, plus maybe, you know, some loose threads for, you know, uh, B plots and stuff like that. So do, do like, what is basically the inciting incident of the free form and what is the resolution like is it is there an actual resolution or is it just, just like let's see what everybody accomplished in these eight hours and see where it's at we always have a number of plots within a free form yes. so th yeah. there are multiple plots so i think i think we've got around 10 or 20 plots in in in, in home of the bold um okay now obviously some are bigger than others so that there will probably be murders that need to be need to be solved um <laughs> there, there may be heists that, that the underworld are going to try and pull Mm -hmm. um, but, but the main backdrop is is the occupation by the Lunar Empire. So therefore, there's a big aspect of that. Um, and what happens with that, obviously, we set a whole thing, load of things up, but it really does depend on what the players do. There is no necessarily right ending. There is a likely ending, um, but not, nothing necessarily right. But, but one, of the, one of the things we do put in place is, is scaffolding that gives players something bigger than themselves to do. So, for example, isn't it? There's an election, and the, and it's in the objectives of some of the players to try and try and get elected. So you have to go around and persuade people, or blackmail them, or whatever it is you do <laughs> to get get the vote. Um, there's a chariot race, and there's big prizes for people that win the win the chariot race, and so you have all of these things that. Um, people going to hang on to as part of as part of something um, really big and that and that's and that's a, a cool thing uh, about a free form everybody does have their own objectives um the the trick with writing a character sheet is to make sure that 
you know, if you need to go and find X, that somebody's going to, there's going to be somebody somewhere, you're never quite sure where, who's either yeah. got X or is going to help you to find X. So because we, we realize that everybody is the, the star of their own kind of movie, if you like, you know, it's, it's, this is hap- happening to them. You know, you, if you talk to the lowly street beggar uh, about what, what's going on in, in, in Boldholm, it'll be the story of the, the glorious rise of the street beggar. Uh, you know, not necessarily, not, he probably doesn't care about the lunar occupiers as long as, as, long as he can get a bowl of soup at the end of the day. But who, yeah. but, you know, but that, that, that's his objective. But, it, but as David uh-huh. says, is, sorry, it's, it, it, we're winding up. We, we basically write half a novel for each of the, each of the players. We give them a bunch of objectives, but, the really good players are the ones that make more objectives for themselves. It, it becomes it, it becomes self-generating in terms of what, what people want to do and how they want to achieve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a number of other techniques. So some characters may have an envelope, a contingency envelope, which if, if, if there's some life-changing event that happens or they see something, the, their, their whole objectives may change. Yeah. Mm, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah. There are There are romance plots as well. You can end up sharing objectives with, with, <laughs> with people who may or may not accidentally fall for fall, fall, fall for um you know there's all sorts of uh, uh, things that that basically can send people off in a completely different direction as, as they as they go through um uh, one one thing though the the rule is unless it's the last hour of the game is you never make it an objective to kill another player character um, that's uh, that's a big no-no in free forms. No, no, it, because you, except you the last hour you said. Yeah, yeah. It's a, is there well, a big bloodbath at the well, end? Well, okay. Well, well. First of all, you know, no, it's a, it's a good point. The what what you don't want to do, you know, is some people spend weeks and months uh, preparing for a game. I mean, a lot of a lot of players, and we do get a a, um, a good mix of genders in the game actually spend a lot of time working on costume they they really like doing the costumey bits that's the thing they you know that's the thing they'll they'll have a co- one costume every hour for the whole of the game different costume <laughs> for, the, for the whole of the game they love it i mean it, that, it, it's it's fantastic to, to to see what what the players bring and that's one of the satisfactions of of being a gm in one of these is 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 seeing what 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 players actually bring to the character you wrote and they, mm-hmm. and they do really cool stuff it's great um but you can't you can't what you can't do is to say to a character go and kill character y because you know if that character what if, if you kill character y after 30 minutes character y well the player playing character y is going to be extraordinarily annoyed especially if yeah. they spent yes. a lot of time on the costume mm-hmm. however a good death scene is fantastic, uh, especially if you're a ba- especially if you're a baddie. So, so you know the 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 uh, the, the, the general rule is that uh, in the last hour of the game, yeah, you can you know you you, you can actually uh, yeah, kill kill people. <laughs> There's one way you can kill a character, which is uh, when you have someone who's clearly a villain who needs killing. Oh, oh, yeah, and yeah. you give that person uh, the other character, uh, the follow-up character to. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Sometimes you, you, yeah, you can yeah, do you, that. You, you can do that. I think the way we would want to do it is is we have highlighted a number of villains in the game and we've said you are a villain in the game and, and you have to understand that. And, and hopefully the, in the characters sign up, they'll say, I want to play a villain because they're fun. But the whole idea of the villain is that for 95% of the game, they are a formidable foe of the heroes who are probably incompetent. Um, uh, but in that last 5% of the time, they need to fail. 
um, and they also need to do things like um, like 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 imprison their their the hero, um, torture them, almost kill them, tell them all their plans, where they're going to be next week, um, and the and the and the hero escapes strangely. So that we, we need to we're trying to create a maximum game fun sort of environment whereby people know who the heroes and the villains are. That's true. We we you know the, it, we tend to use fairly broad brush strokes ones that people get from movies and and uh, comics and, and and so forth. You know, there's not there is some you know very deep player interaction, but the but the the way you paint these, especially for games that or for scenarios that people aren't necessarily familiar with the background, you, you have to use um, the, these very common, well known well known tropes in in order in order to do them. I mean, to be honest, actually, the Glorantis is is a little specialised. Um, and and it does attract, you know. So so you know, people playing playing Grantha games um, usually know a reasonable amount about it. But we try not to necessarily assume that you wouldn't you wouldn't need to be um, uh, a Glorantha file in order to play any of the games that we've written. Um, you know, either through the way that we, um, we we write the characters up, or in fact. You know, well, you know, David will talk to you about you know, some of the background books that we 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 actually put together for for the very first game, um, and have done the, done them since. So, um, I want to ask a few other dumb questions to you know wrap my head around what's the free form and hopefully help the listeners too. So, with the you know killing other player characters, uh, hopefully not killing other players, but just the player characters, and and the ending. So, the first thing, of course, is like how do you resolve some actions that you can't actually do in like, you know, we have dice at the table. So what do you have in the free form? That's a very good question. The, 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 the more I've written free forms, the fewer rules I've actually put in. Um, I think, <laughs> I think so, some free forms I've played even give you a little shaker to roll a die. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and carry, carry it around with it. It's, it does. It doesn't work. Um, my my best advice to players would be is to have a talk to your opponent and see if you can come out with a way that's actually dramatic dramatically satisfying for both of you even if one of even if one of you loses if 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 some people insist on trying to resolve something we might tell them well do scissor paper stone then i mean that is our default is 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 scissor paper stone um and and a lot of the abilities and spells etc are built around that but obviously especially in the last hour People should be thinking about what's their end game, what's what, uh, and, and coming up with 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 an appropriate resolution of that of, of, of that conflict or of, right. or of that. But the thing is, like the chariot race, there will be some rules around the chariot race. Hopefully, as quick as possible, so so people will feel that that's their skill or maybe their special abilities that get them to win that. So so there are some specific rules as well as general rules using paper scissors, yeah, stone. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I, I imagine that's also where, like, as the game masters, you go around the the rooms, and that's where you you sort of help people uh, with that. Hopefully, as little as possible. Yeah, yeah. We try, try, try. Yeah, we try. We are always there to help. <laughs> yeah, we try not to get. We try not to get involved unless we actually have to be. Um, yeah. You know, and in fact, larger. Go on. You cheated a bit, uh, like you had uh, one player <laughs> going around announcing the time and so on as his role. <laughs> announcing the time in, in the game yeah the the time in the game and the big events that are going to come <laughs> oh yep. yeah 
That's true. Yeah, if we can delegate, if we can delegate something to a character, I think that was the, that was the town. That was the town herald. Uh, yeah. So, so, so yeah, yeah, there's yeah. there's a bit of like uh, diegetic um, uh, trickery to put like meta stuff, but in in the world, which is yeah, that's very cool. Um, I mean, there are some events that that happen in the game, which which are preset. Um, I mean, to, to some extent, uh, freeforms, all the freeforms that we've done or, or we've seen done are often based on a historical event for, in, in Garantha. That's sort the of thing like House of Malin was around, how the Milani tribe was created with all those sorts of things. So, um, but obviously the important thing about the freeforms is they don't necessarily end up being the same way that history, history ended. Um, that might be a guide, but it doesn't necessarily happen that way. Mm. And so at the end, how do, like, for example, the, the beggar, uh, knows what what he did on the street and what what he got and he got his bowl of soup and all that but is there then like sort of a post game presentation to see what everybody else was up to or something like 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 to know exactly what what happened outside of your own story yes i mean that yeah obviously often there will be a kind of big event at the end um in in game um but one it's very important to um to actually have a a kind of decompression or debriefing session after after a freeform game sometimes people get really um caught up in their character and and actually you you do get it is it is quite an emotional thing um and and so you need that you need that time to allow people to understand that it wasn't personal <laughs> this other player was being an, an utter rotter to you um and that you know this was this was them being their character and you know yeah that, that's always the problem with uh, with conventions like e- e- even if you play like a classic pen and paper role-playing game at a convention you know you never know if the guy sitting next to you is being an asshole because that's their character or if they're actually an asshole like yeah you you've yeah. so yes no, yeah but no it's it's very it's very important for for freeforms that, that that they have this period at the end so so people can get get things off their chest even if it's just to boast a little bit about what they what they were able to do or in, or indeed talk about some of the plots they were involved in um, someone will stand up and start talking about a plot and, and other people will be open mouthed that you know, such things were actually going on um, uh, across the other side of town um, in in a game. And, it, and again, that's one of the other nice things about a freeform is that you suddenly realise there was this whole strand of stuff that was going on and you had nothing to do with it, but it, it actually gives you a feeling of being caught up in something bigger than you. And and that and that's the key key thing about these free forms is something bigger than you. And especially especially for Home of the Bold, you also had uh, two runs with after action write ups by the, the players. Mm. Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah that, that was quite hefty. That was quite hefty hefty bit of work. Um, and I think we stopped those relatively quickly because uh, not, not everybody wrote in about it. And uh, and it, but it was nice to have a little souvenir of what what happened. And uh, and, and, and I we, think I, that that, that yeah. shows the enthusiasm of the people for it. Mm. Um, Mm. So uh, actually, the like I've heard about those reforms, and some people, like some listeners, might have heard about them here or there, like the home of the bold, uh, how the West was won, and all that. But I certainly don't know exactly what they were about. So could you give us like a synopsis of the various, you know, famous Glorantham reforms? Okay, um, shall I have a go, Kevin? Yeah, go on, you do that. <laughs> uh, so well, obviously, home of the bold. Set in Boldhome during the lunar occupation, 
there's not much more I can say about that. Um, I'm not going to give the plot away. Okay. Um, how the West was won is 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 um, set in the West of Grantha, and it's about an attempt to bring all of the various sects of Malkian together at an ecumenical council um, with funny hats um, and crisis, uh, and, and for, for them to, to work work it all through and not have too many crises of faith. Mm-hmm. We had a fantastic um, mechanism whereby if you had a crisis of faith, you'd suddenly go off. Yeah, something weird would happen, and and you'd have to go off and you know whip yourself or whatever yeah so that was how the west was won which was which was actually a quite a fun one then life of moon sun was set in glamour um and was choosing a new red emperor mask of the red emperor so um with all the people you would expect in the lunar empire like honil beatpot erin um everybody like that and this is one that's available on the johnston compendium so people can run it themselves for their birthday parties or whatever they could well, try, if they, they, could have try. Have they could try <laughs> they could try yeah. yeah um i mean some other famous ones is i mentioned before the fall of the house of malin which is um jeff richard and, and neil robinson they produced that around around the way the milani tribe was 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 basically broken and became the lismelda and the milani and 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 all the events around that they did another one called all carl's ball which was just i think it was around um effectively a, a clan game, um, playing different clans, lots of cows, that sort of stuff. Um, one of the ones, there was there was Peoples of Pavis, there was um, the World's Greatest Tournament, which was also set in the West, but Peoples of Pavis was set in Pavis, which was around the Lunar Occupation again there. Um, I think the, the, the tournament one, uh, I've seen like there, there was a fanzine, um... Like uh, that was. Uh, it was a supporting booklet. Yes. Yeah. What was it? Was it like a, some some sort of like jousting journey thing in the West? I'm or? Sure, there was jousting involved. I uh, I think we call it, uh, really called it Rise of Raelius. Okay. Was, yes, well, Rise of Raelius. What was it about? Uh, uh, basically, it is. It was about Arcad returns. Oh, five times. <laughs> Yeah, five times. Nice. There was also the Broken Council, which was in the RuneQuest Con in San Francisco, which was all around um, Nice Law, Gabaji, um, and all the machinations around that. Um, and there was obviously Heroes of Wisdom, which was set in Johnstown, which was the bilingual uh, freeform that was done in Berlin. So, yeah, and we had lots of other offerings later on, like Harem Nights, set in Fonrid, the Balazar one. Um, I think there was even one in, set in the Grey Dog Inn. Um, yeah, the, that murder at the Grey Dog Inn. There have been a large number of them. But the very large ones sort of petered out probably around about um, 2002-ish. And then since then, they've been much, much smaller. Mm. Was there any reason for that? Yeah, mostly practical ones because it's quite hard to get 50 people engaged for a whole day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, smaller ones, like for example, Tash Wars. Yes, though Tash War, I, w- I would, you can make an argument. Tash Wars a bit like, um, I mean, in the original freeform, Grand Freeform, you could say would be uh, the Sato High Council, which was Greg Stafford, but that yeah. came out of his own campaign and tabletop play. And I think to to some extent, Chris Gidlow's games are freeforms, but they they do sort of come a bit more out of tabletop that sort of in, environment. Um, they were normally played around a table. And 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 yeah, it had a tablet element to it, but also a very freeform element to it. Um, they were great fun. 
Yeah, um, one thing that the big ones always have is uh, that you lay out a playing ground where, where you say, this is the Temple of Boldholm, this is the Royal Palace, this is the Thieves' Den, and this is the marketplace where you can meet everybody. And some of these places have uh, access restrictions enforced by the, some of the players. So uh, there's there's a bit of faction building simply by where you can go. Exactly. Right, so it's not just one big room; it's actually like multiple places and. Yeah, so for Home of the Bold, you'll have a big uh, market, great market, which is where the City Herald will be telling the news at the beginning of every hour. Um, but you'll have Joe's Inn, which is where all the satirites will, will will be going to to plot. Um, there'll be the Lunar Headquarters. Um, where the lunars will be presumably plotting their own stuff. Um, and there may be some other locations that we might have set up in the, maybe temporarily or permanently. Mm. So you are going to try and revive this great tradition of free forms at Chaosum Con next year in um, yeah. Michigan. Uh, and, yeah, in Ann Arbor. So are you going to run like Home of the Bold or a new one or... We're, we're running what we're calling um, the director's cut of Home of the Bold. The original game was for 80 players. We couldn't um, get 80 players now. So we're, we're down to about 50 players. We're hoping we can get 50 players together to play the game. And it will be cut down. It, it was originally it was about 10 hours. It'll be cut down to about eight hours um, with a break in the middle. So we'll, we'll see what happens. In it. So, it's, it's, so effectively, I mean, when I look back at the older game, um, it was really basic. It basically was carried, it, it, it was wonderfully carried by everybody's enthusiasm for the whole concept. I've, I mean, me and Kevin have done a whole load of freeforms since then. So we're hoping this one will be a bit more polished, but just as fun. Yeah, but Chaosium is very keen to have havers. You know, we, you know, I spoke to them at length earlier in the year about it and went to look at the venue to see that it was suitable. And and they are really they are really keen. You know, they realize, you know, they realize that, uh, again, this is one of the things that they can bring to a convention or a convention can do that, that you can't do normally. Because um, in many role-playing game conventions, you hardly see anybody because they're all in rooms <laughs> tucked away somewhere playing a role-playing game, you know, which is okay, but you know, it's not hugely different from what you do at home. Um, so you know, this is one of those things, you know, like like the legendary auction uh, that um, is actually actually bigger, bigger than you are, and is um, is uh, is worth worth coming to the convention for. And so they're very keen to 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 give it a go. Uh, yeah, and um, we're expecting Jeff Richard to be um, to be playing in the game, um, and hoping maybe we can get a couple of the other guys to come and at least make um, uh, just cameo appearances um whether they play the whole thing or not because it's, it's a long time and obviously chaos is a business um yeah so um we're, we're looking forward to that and one of the things that we have done um for all of our free forms and it's something we did from the very first one because we weren't quite sure whether or not um it would actually work and his david's got a copy he's got a copy of it's an original convulsion one too isn't it uh, david let's see uh, that's the rough guide to bold home and we felt that um even if yeah, and it's a background book greg stafford's put stuff in there um there's a whole bunch of things background about bold home the, the personalities and so forth and so that that's the little booklet that you would distribute to the players before the free form Yes, yes, um, and and it, it, so we felt that even even if the whole game crashed and burned, um, they'd have a souvenir to take away and something that'd be useful as well. One of the other things we did 
is um <laughs> is uh is actually mint mint some real coin oh, mint some oh, mint some yeah. co- mint mint some coins um Ooh. to actually p- play in the game nice and uh and they are you know they're lunar pi- they are you know they are they're lunar lunar pieces and i think we're going to get some more made aren't we david i think we are planning on that we'd anyway. like to get some 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 i mean well worst case you can use the the type 40 ones uh, no, the campaign coin, campaign coins, campaign coins. Yes, yeah. So, 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 even if even if the game was completely out of washout, people could take a souvenir coin and their background <laughs> book away away with them, and and you know they they got something for you know even if they didn't have t- too bad a time. And as David very rightly says, we were absolutely amazed at the energy and enthusiasm and everything the players brought to the game, and they made it well, far better than it could possibly be, because being newbies when we were doing this, you know, we, we weren't as prepared as we should have been. Uh, <laughs> we should have been prepared well well in advance, but we're not. We, we, were, we were still printing out character sheets on the morning of the, <laughs> of, of, of the game, <laughs> which, which was, uh, <laughs> I did try and warn Fabian and Georg about all of this thing that they were getting into. <laughs> and uh, I think they learned the hard way the same day, way, same way yes, David and I did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we tried to warn you, <laughs> but uh, but uh, but as I say it was it was carried very much by the players, and uh, of course it's character building too. <laughs> yeah, yes, 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 in the, yeah, there's, yeah, um, but. Much yeah. to my pleasure, a lot of the certainly a lot of the freeform community that's picked up in the UK since then, a lot of the people's first experience of freeforms um, uh, was actually home of the bold, and they and and it was so, and they got it and they did it sufficiently well, and they are still doing it. There's some you know, big uh, you know some folks who, for example, a guy called Steve Hatherley who actually runs many. Uh, uh, well, actually, has got a semi-professional um, murder mystery outfit, um, confusingly called Freeform Games, where you can do freeforms at home. And uh, I've actually run one or two of these as um, as events at, at my workplace, um, and that, which have gone down pretty well. So they are freeform games, but you do them you do them at home. What, and that's one of the really nice things about revisiting continu- Continuum as I did earlier this year is they have a very f- strong freeform track. It's it's something that that convention does and does and does really well. And we're really happy about that. And I assume be, because of the size of freeforms, even, even if they're smaller than they used to be, it's still like, I assume like 30, 40 people uh, at least. And so the replayability is much greater. Like, you know, you may not replay a, you know, a scenario of a game because it's going to be roughly the same even if it's different. But like here, you can, like you said, you can see a completely different facet of that free form and it might go in a completely different direction anyway. So it's more replayable, I guess. It, it, it certainly was. There were certain things we always had to change. For example, if there's a murderer, we normally change who the murderer was <laughs> um, just in case uh, yeah. somebody worked it out. Ooh, okay. um, so so a few things like that, but generally very replayable. And obviously we did, we, we at the original Home of the World, we did four times. Yeah. So um, not everybody will, uh, you know, write free forms but hopefully there might be a certain number of our listeners that might be interested in participating in free forms whether we will see them at chaosium con or whether they figure that they're going to go to continuum um so do you have any advice for first time players oh that's a very good question i, I think to real if when you're a first time player just remember that 
someone somewhere in the in the game that you're playing uh, is is got something that um or rather you've got something that they need so a well-written game is always going to give you things that other players need um so really the trick you know the very basic trick for anyone starting out is to start going around and talking to people just to see, just to ask them who they who they are speak to as many different people as you possibly can yeah well, you just find the people who you're supposed to know and and, and yeah. hopefully using yeah. it correctly they yeah. know you yeah. so are are you are you telling me that a bunch of nerds have to engage in as much social yes. activity as possible they do my yeah, god so. you monsters so. yeah. <laughs> it's even worse you're in character all the time yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, your character sheet will will normally list who it is you know um and who possibly if you're in a in a group or faction um and and you can just go and seek them out and start talking to them and you know if you're a bit stuck for th- things to do ask ask them can you can you help help you know what do you what do you need what what um so so just go out there and and and, uh, and do it. That, that, that's the trick. And it and suddenly stuff will start happening to you, and you'll get caught. You'll get caught up in something, and then you'll be diverted, or you'll see something interesting going on across the other side of the the, the room, and just go and have a look. I mean, these large spectacles, for example, the, the chariot race. Like there's probably about ten or twelve people who are actually going to be actively involved in doing our chariot race. But by golly, it's going to be a fantastic spectacle, and so we'll be encouraging people to go along and cheer, you know, or put bets on who they think they're going to is going to win. So, we definitely have it, a, we have a bookmaker. He'll take yeah. as many bets as you want. <laughs> oh, nice. yeah, yeah. What, just what, what try, did you yeah. use for the chariots, by the way? <laughs> Imagination. <laughs> not not even like office chairs or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Maybe. You, you have to you have to run with it. We, you know, the budgets don't go don't don't stretch to full on chariots, <laughs> <laughs> skateboards, and alas, one advice I would give to newcomers to the uh, to a freeform game is uh, make yourself recognizable in the game. Oh, very much. Yeah, you know, yeah. Do something to to stand out. You know, when when I'm playing games, to be honest, um, actually, I do enjoy the prep a lot more sometimes more than the game itself. Uh, <laughs> you can just, you know, I'm a hopeless costumer, but I I've got a, quite a good collection of hats now. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, it's yeah. easy for you to say because, as I understand it, is like two meters tall or something like that. So <laughs> people will recognize him. Well, make, make it obvious what, what clan you belong to. You know, you know, if you're, you know, I seem to recall some, some, some lunars turning up in full, full Roman military gear at some, at, uh, at some, and, some of them. <laughs> and, and from that, you can tell that maybe they're in the military. Uh, and obviously a constable might be wearing, a, might be wearing a policeman's hat, that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. But so it, it, for players who are not that good with their hands and with their, you know, sewing and uh, and all that, uh, I get the feeling that, you know, at least get a funny hat. That's the, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, basic, yeah. The, co- the first costume element you need to take. Yeah, absolutely. A, a hat tells a, a million words. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you're in a cowboy game, all you need to do is have a hat of one color or another, and that's, that's as much as you need, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean... I had to play the magic eye necklace, mm. uh, that big bear troll. Yeah. So what I did uh, was I got some ping pong balls, painted some eyes on them, and put them on a string around my uh, neck. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Add some fa- uh, gray face paint, and the troll was there. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And beat pot yeah. Aaron is uh, very simple. 
put a, uh, put a, a, a pen on a your head. On, up on your head. Yeah. And for practical reasons, uh, insert some uh, cloth between, uh, which may look like a turban, and you're a perfect lunar if the <laughs> turban is red. So you, you do realize you're you're not a guest on this podcast. So you, however, are um, uh, obligated to put pictures in the show notes, right? Yes, but uh, speaking of my own uh, costumes, uh, of course, means that I couldn't uh, take pictures of myself. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's a lame excuse. I'm sure some pictures exist out there. Yes, uh, I'll have to check. <laughs> have, thanks, to thanks David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if necessary, I'll. Um, uh, uh, we, we had a, a, a guy who's going to help us with um, Home of the Bowl, David Chang, in one of the games. He, he dressed up as a wind child, which is basically a bodysuit with oh. wings. Wow, and okay. a strategic, a strategically placed cloud. Yes. On the- <laughs> <laughs> wow, superb, amazing. So, um, yeah, it depends if you want to join a uh, PG thirteen or uh, R rated freeform, right? <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't have to costume like that. A hat would have been fine yeah, with a cloud. Okay. <laughs> Uh, one thing you really did with these uh, freeforms was world building. Yes. And with Home of the Board, you did not get uh, the complete cast of characters, but with these after-action reports, uh, the written ones which you published, basically you create a, created a lot of fan canon uh, for Sata with that. Um, y- yes and no. I mean, I think quite a lot of it was then taken on, like some of the characters were taken on, but I think um, a lot of the history... It wasn't. It, it wasn't taken on. It, um, it, because it didn't three, maybe not. No. Yeah, but the, uh, the characters, almost all of them, have landed in someone's games. And to to, to an extent, they've all landed in in the new um, the starter pack that, that that Jeff Richard is is working on. There's a lot of characters from the original game that are in there, um, and luckily we've got access to some of that. So we're actually incorporating many of his characters <laughs> into Home of the Bolt. So and also he's he's helping a hell of a lot in terms of background and that sort of thing. So we're hoping to make it fairly canonical this time. The ending may very well not be canonical at all, but um, but certainly the setup will be canonical. And yeah, we'll 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 see see what fun we have. Um, and for the background book, we're hoping to be able to to preview some of the uh, the startup pack material as well, where it's relevant. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. So we are doing a, a background book for for the next game again. If it crashes and burns, then people have still got that. Still got that. So. Yeah. <laughs> a crash and burn, I think, is a bit of the purpose of such a game as well. <laughs> in, in, what, in what way? How do, how do you mean? Uh, to me. Uh, I have yet to play a uh, freeform where things don't go uh, very strange and uh, stuff is changed forever. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Well, uh, in terms of the, the, the there's an actual outcome to the game. No, I, I was thinking more in terms of you know if, if people from a, from a writer's perspective, it it would be oh, yes. a tragedy <laughs> if every, everybody has a bad time. I mean, that's the the whole point is that everyone does have a great time, even if you know the the, the time they're having is is basically setting setting fire to the world. You know, <laughs> if players want to do that, they go go ahead. You know, I'm sure we're, I'm sure we've got a rule for that somewhere, David. Haven't we? <laughs> um, oh, well, if, if 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 they want to try and um, take off in the ruined um, moon boat, they may very well crash and burn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, uh, make, it'll make it. It'll make a spectacular ending in the last hour of the game. Though. It certainly will. 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I've experienced uh, players introducing plot lines I never would have dreamt of into my uh, into games I co-wrote. Well, that's perf- That's perfectly fine. I mean, uh, and that yes. that's an example of players bringing their own imagination and their mo- and their own thoughts uh, uh, in into a game. I mean, as David said most early on, you know, if you want to know what happened at the end of the free form, for goodness sake, don't ask a referee. We have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember playing Peoples of Pavis, um, and I remember I made up an objective, which was um, I decided it was the Lunar Governor General's um, birthday, so we had to do a birthday party for him. So a load of us went around getting all sorts of stuff for his party, and then we had a surprise birthday party where he thought he was going to be assassinated because he, <laughs> it wasn't his birthday. He didn't know anything about this. We just decided, well, it must be your birthday. <laughs> 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 So if it's necessary, if you make up a little objective like that that's not going to ruin the game, what the hell do it? Because you'll find players who would love to join in. Mm. Cool. We might talk a little bit about that little uh, fanzine that you produced, David. Oh, Tales of Richie Moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that. Is that the number one? That's yeah. number one. Oh, my God. And that's the last one. Oh. So yeah, yes. I, don't, I, I don't have all of them yet. Maybe I'll, I'll have to... Uh... Well, Uh, for uh, uh, listeners who could not see what David presented, the first one was uh, the classic uh, A4 um, photocopied and stapled uh, collection of uh, white pages, monochrome and all. And the last uh, one is a gloriously uh, color printed, color printed, at least the cover and uh, professionally set. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it massively changed um, over time, obviously. Yeah. And as desktop publishing technology changed. Yeah, and as, as I understand it, it also had a massive impact on the Glorantan fandom at a key time in Glorantan's history. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose the fanzine came along at the time when Kozum had sold off um, RuneQuest to Avalon Hill. They still they still retained um, creative rights, but Avalon Hill were trying to move it in a different direction. Um and were also being quite difficult. So effectively, there was very little happening. Um, and so what, what, the, what the fanzine did was it managed to start a new RuneQuest renaissance, which is um, Michael O'Brien and, and Ken Rolston were very, very instrumental in that in terms of producing supplements like Sun County. And yeah, I, I'm, I, I think hopefully we helped. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah not just Ken, you also re- uh, kick-started Greg again. I think it was the one Dublin convention, uh, which ultimately resulted in Greg coming out with King of Sarda. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. Um, Oh, right. So there were two Gale cons, and I think um, Greg went to... We 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 were with Greg for two of them, yes. And um, King of Sarda was very much linked to Home of the Bold in terms of... it. was just We we used a lot of the material from King of Sarda in that. But yes, it did. I think the original gestation was, was, was at Gale con, yeah. How, how, like, what, what's the story exactly there? Like, what was it when Greg was like just going into like his Pendragon stuff and Shaman? Exactly, yes. yes. I think, I think because of the issues with Avalon Hill, he was concentrating more on Pendragon, which obviously they completely, uh, and, and I think Pendragon to, to a large extent was, was, was Greg's, to some extent, Greg's greatest love in terms of a game. Yeah. Um, but he came over in 1990 to, um, conjunction of the Trillian 
Tentacle uh, Trillion Spheres, I think, which is a convention then. He also went to GaleCon a couple of times. And I think he started getting enthused again about, about Garantha because obviously he saw fans were so enthused as well. Um, I remember in 1990, he, he did a whole session on, on hero questing, um, which was just fascinating in talking to us about it. And, and um, it eventually became Tales number seven, which was our hero quest special. We, we used that as, a, as inspiration for it. Um, but yeah, I think we probably got him back into to, to, um, to Grantha, which, which cool. was good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Nick Brook was, was was very much involved in all that. He 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 at one of the Gale Cons, it was just me and Nick and and, and Greg, and um I think um Nick was in Seventh Heaven. So yeah. Yeah, one of the um reasons why um Glorantha and RuneQuest is very big in the UK was that um in the ni- early nineteen eighties, Games Workshop lost the license to reprint Dungeons and Dragons. Um the TSR took it on themselves to have a, a local office, so they were doing it themselves. And so, so um, uh, Games Workshop were looking around for another role-playing uh, um, property, and they lighted upon RuneQuest. And that's one of the reasons why um, uh, it was very strong over here, because they did a few reprints. There's a UK version of um, the basic pink box, yeah. or basic RuneQuest box, um, and uh, cut, even cut, though they they ruined the cover. Yeah, they, they, uh, they yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they did weird stuff with it. But that, there was always quite a strong um, Glorantha following, and there was a lot of people keen keen for for more Glorantha product in in the UK. Um, and uh, another reason why um, Tales did very well is that, by fortunate coincidence, we managed to get it into UK distribution, um, which meant it got, got into all of the the game stores. Here, oh. uh, it was on. It was in. Um, yeah. We happened to have pretty good contacts with that. And uh, was it unusual for a fanzine to to be um, Yeah, I mean, like um, th- th- this th- this was serendipity again in, in terms of uh, that bacon that we went to this board games convention where me and Kevin met. Um, Kevin's best mate was a guy who was in charge of SDGM Games, and he became a distributor for the for the magazine. And at the height, he was taking about six hundred copies. Um, of, a, of about a sixteen hundred um, print run, so yeah, yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, so so it got in front of a lot of people's eyeballs when they were going into into game stores. Um, you know, they were they were seeing content for 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 Glorantha and for RuneQuest, and uh, and uh, and Tales is helping helping push that. And so yeah, it was it was extremely fortuitous. You know, the, the stars were right as. I said about another game. Yeah. Because, I mean, the original Tales 1 was about 280 copies. Tales 2 was about 250. But by Tales 12, we were doing 1,600. So, um, and that was mainly through distribution and um, because it became so well known. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, you went uh, uh, global uh, pretty soon. I mean, Mob chimed in with issue four. He did. Uh, you conquered Australia uh, very early on. We did. I mean, we, we we were lucky. I mean, we started off. There were three of us. There was um, me, Brian DeGood, Matt Tudor. Um, Matt had always wanted to get into publishing, so he was using it as a way of getting to publishing. Me, me and Brian just wanted to do an A4 Grantham fanzine. Yeah. So we met through Greg Stafford, and it was through contacts that we then got in touch. I mean, John Quaith helped helped me very much in terms of getting in touch with Oliver Dickinson, with Michael O'Brien, all these people, uh, and it, it just expanded out it was it was uh, amazing and all this all this before the internet that was 
<laughs> yes. Well, yeah, yeah. We, when we first started, we were writing letters to each other. Not necessarily handwriting, but letters. Uh, yeah, Crazy. letters. Yes. Well, if not handwritten, then hand typed. <laughs> yeah. As, as as soon as CompuServe and email came along, we went straight to that. Yeah, but you 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 didn't go through like all the APA style uh, or um, uh, epistolary exchange. No, that 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 I mean that was a model which I don't think ever really happened in the UK. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the, the the fanzine community was very much yeah. You created your own little A five fanzine, and 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 there was there were quite a few very well known ones which were A four and and almost commercially produced. But um, but the APA never really happened. No, not here. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting yeah interesting concept. I mean, obviously Greg Stafford was ma- was a major influence. He did the Son of Sartor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the APA sort of was inherited by the mailing lists. Yeah. One of uh, and uh, there was an, uh, the mailing list started out, uh, I think, in the late eighties. Even is that Yaku Digest? Uh, yeah, the Andrew Bell Digest. But in 1993, it became the RuneQuest Daily, and boy, that exploded. Yeah, you can still. Um, who is it? Like, there's this guy who has all the archives of yeah. the of those mailing lists that you can search online. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. But yeah, people can look up like old posts from a lot of you people actually, uh, and yeah. old posts from like Jeff and Greg and all that. Yeah, yeah, I think I've used that link quite a few times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, one uh, one thing uh, that home of the board uh, really opened was role playing in sata because uh, let's face it um before uh, before that we had snake by polo we had apple lane and that was it yeah everything else was prag like big rubble and rework cradles and all that yes i think i think a lot of campaigns were were sort of stuck in Paris and the big rubble uh, well, because that's where you can be a murder hobo. So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, for, for for people of a certain age, <laughs> my age, I, I loved it. Yeah, I loved going in there and you know ripping people off. Uh, but um, but Sartar, yeah, there wasn't a hell of a lot. Um, and I think I, the way I, I got to know a lot about Sartar through John Quave, because I actually joined his Grey Dog campaign and then sort of introduced the, that campaign to my players. So I think we were already heavily into Sartar by the time we did Home of the Bold. So yeah, it was it was good introducing a lot of that. Did did, did that play a role in the recentering of RuneQuest in Sartar? Because like you know the the new the new RuneQuest is definitely anchored in Sartar. I think probably. Probably the the, the, the Grey Dog campaign, but also the work that the, um, Jeff did with the Allmarth clan in the Colomar lands, and some of the books he produced in that period between, um, well, what is it? It's the Sartar King of Heroes, th- those sorts of yeah. books. So the the stuff that came out of his like Seattle Farmers Collective thing. Exactly, and there was there was a lot of Lismelda stuff, mainly as as, as the um, there was a lot of um, Lismelda bashing, and there was a lot of Colomar bashing back from me. Uh, but uh, uh, the Drag- Dragon Pass campaign always was the big picture of Dorantha, really, uh, from the beginning with White Bear and Red Moon. And you had this already this uh, meta plot uh, unfolding in the scenarios of the board game. Yeah. Mm. And uh, right now uh, we are g- getting this translated into role-playing uh, books. Yeah. 
Oh. So, uh, satellites versus lunars always was a thing, and for some weird reason, uh, nobody really played the lunars. <laughs> oh, we all played the lunars. I mean, Tales of the Moon, we had to. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, I mean, uh, it was very much your exposed position there. <laughs> yeah, we were always fighting. Well, but with Nick Brooke and Chris Goodlow, we always had strong representation. <laughs> Um, yes. We won the argument. We might not win the war. We might, but we won the argument. <laughs> um, yeah, we had we had Nick uh, over to tell us all about the um, the lunar empire a few episodes ago, and it was a glorious uh, uh, bit of propaganda that he did. It was yes. it was great. He was always very good with the propaganda. Yes. <laughs> so uh, going back to um, going back to free forms, like there are. A fair number of different labels for different types of, you know, live action games. Like you've got free forms, uh, murder mysteries, Nordic LARPing, uh, and and when it comes to you know tabletop gaming, it's mostly just like tabletop. I mean, you might join a you know a dungeon crawling game versus a you know a Call of Cthulhu uh, investigation, but but they're all Still, I, I feel like they're all under the umbrella of just a tabletop role-playing game. So, so I, I know it feels like like is there a more of a uh, like labeling um, nitpicking going on with the live action stuff? Like, is it more important to differentiate the the different types of live action games? I think it used to be. Yeah, because we, we would typically say we're not the rubber sword people running around in a field, whacking each other with rubber swords. That's LARPing. That's, That's not... LARP. I, but I don't think that... I think I think a lot of the LARPs have probably taken on many of the aspects of freeforming in terms of they're better plotted, they're, 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 they're better created. Um, but they probably come from that. Yeah, that, and that on, the, on, on the far end of that, uh, uh, recreators like uh, Society for Creative Anachronism. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And even HEMA. The uh, the SCA do do they actually do any sort of actual role playing or is it more like reenactments and I'm not super familiar with what I, they I actually think, do. I think we, I think they'll simulate the generals pointing at a map round a table saying, "Well, I think we should go there." So, <laughs> 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 they, but they, 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 I think they do take on characters. Whether they actually have a plotted game, I don't know. Um, but they do take on characters. They they did they do get promoted and all these sorts of things. So that there is a whole society there. Mm. Mm. And did, did anybody actually try to make a Glorenthan LARP, or you actually have rubber sword yeah. and well, like each other? Yes. Actually, actually, I got a referee one once. Oh yeah. So yeah, we were running uh, around the uh, vineyards uh, around Kaiserstahleck. Oh, was that for the the Kraken? No, it was uh, Tentacles uh, one. Okay, yeah. Well, the precursor, I guess, of uh, yes, reckon. Yeah, and yeah. So uh, they roped me in as a referee, I think, for the troll group. <laughs> okay. Oh, so yeah, what, that... yeah. How did it go? Uh, what was it about? Um, <laughs> hitting people over the head with rubber swords. Uh, that was uh, that was a big thing. Uh, there was um, some drama going on where some of the organizers uh, did a show fight. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
I have, I have memories of um, live action troll ball in a field in Leicester. Oh, once. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is, as far as I could tell, it's just pure violence. But uh... um, <laughs> well, and, and I suppose that that that's similar to the SCA, maybe, because we've got trolls. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, troll ball evolved a lot. So live action troll ball, at least as it played on uh, at uh, Eternal Convention, which is the inheritor of the location of uh, Tentacles and uh, still happens on Whitsun uh, weekends. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have a troll ball league where the children get to play the great trolls (laughs) and the adults are the normal normal dark trolls uh, who go there and it still has um, a, a little bit of uh, tossing uh, stuff in. It still has uh, the healer with uh, some r- really messy flower. And um, does it still do it in slow-mo? Yes, still doing it in slow-mo, unlike it's the slow-mo. Australian original. Slow motion. <laughs> yeah, what, like, uh, what do you mean? The whole thing is done in slow motion. So uh, okay. when um, you run, uh, it's, uh, it's about normal walking speed. Okay. <laughs> Growling uh, all the way, <laughs> yeah. And then when you hit somebody, you do it in slow motion. So the hitting is done in actual speed, okay. but the weapons are so soft, um, a lot softer than rubber swords, uh, that uh, they uh, have this bending effect. So it becomes slow mo. <laughs> wow. Okay, that sounds all very. Weird, but <laughs> it, it's it's really weird. Um, it is very weird. Yes, <laughs> I remember I took uh, on the idea of uh, live action trouble uh, to a convention in my hometown, and they had a local um, newspaper uh, reporter there uh, who was fascinated uh, by the idea of adult <laughs> people uh, using blow up toys to hit one another <laughs> over the head. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, free, free forms sound more respectable, I guess. Well, well, um, <laughs> Mob, Mob was very much into live action trouble, so I will try and ask him if we can um, resurrect that for for Chaos and Con. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you should. <laughs> Perhaps uh, that one. But uh, you should check out the uh, rules uh, published by Eternal Convention. Okay. Okay. Because those really uh, get uh, the small ones in and give them a, an experience of Glorantha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, one other thing we have, uh, I have seen on Eternal Convention is um, uh, uh, free forms for children. Oh. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I've not come across that. I'll uh, I'll take a look at. So uh, basically you uh, take something like a meeting of the uh, Disney princesses or something like that as uh, the excuse for the freeform. And uh, you have children of various ages and some supporting uh, parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, you put them to uh, through about uh, two or three hours of freeforming. Yes, that, that's very interesting. Uh, although, again, it, it kind of uses the, the, the thing where you don't have to explain anything to kids. You know, the fact you said Disney princesses, you, you, you don't need to, even I've heard of them. Uh, you know, I'm an old guy, so again, there's it's zero explanation, and and I'm sure you know they'll they'll be falling over themselves. Eight year olds will be falling over themselves to actually actually play play in that in that sort of thing for 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 a little while. I think it's a, it's a really cool idea. Freeform is a is a 
is a very broad church, isn't it? It encompasses a lot of possibilities, I think. And and Absolutely and is. as people have got better uh, or a better understanding of what what goes on, I think the it, the, the 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 sheer range of topics and people you can draw in is uh, very good. You know, the, as you mentioned, the 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 stuff uh, the Nordics do, which actually can be pretty dark and pretty deep. You know, they're psycholo- psychologically very t- very testing. But they are, they are, but they are aware of exploring something in a safe space that you probably wouldn't be able to do in another way. Um, and so they all have that. In, they all have that in common. It's the it's the structures, the, the scaffolding that allow you to um, to to you know, um, do all of these things. You know that you you wouldn't be able to do normally. That's because the, cool the like my my super superficial understanding of Nordic LARP is that it's kind of like the referees will intervene and introduce like generally dark and dramatic elements onto your character and say like you know now now play with that like you realize this is the person that killed your sister or whatever or um and and you you have to sort of um integrate new elements and run with them or something yes, like that. That's yeah. that's my understanding. Yeah, yeah. Some, yes, yeah. Some of them can pretty can be pretty dark and deep, and some of the themes that, and, and topics that they cover are, are pretty pretty dark as well. Um, so you, you need to know what you're getting into before you you, you run one of those. They, they definitely have a, you know, a mature content warning on the cover. You know when when, when you're sign, sign, signing up. Um, uh, then you get uh, some similar developments uh, tabletop role playing as well. Mm. Like, yeah. like, for example, Robin Law's uh, drama system mm. can uh, go quite uh, psychological as well and doesn't really have to have any heroic or any uh, kind of conflict like that. Uh, at one Kraken, we had Robin and um, Kat Tobin uh, go through his uh, drama scene uh, from a family drama. Like you, ne- you never put away the dishes, and uh, uh, from there it all exploded. <laughs> yeah, mm. I see. Yeah, yeah. I recommend. I can recommend Drama System. It's excellent, um, excellent game, and, and it's one to pick up as well. It's another one that you don't, you, you don't need anything at the start. You you basically um, work out your relationships around the around the table as you play the game, and it, it just fires up. It's uh, it's an incredible game. I recommend it strongly. And on the other end of uh, tabletop role-playing, you have uh, people uh, driving some weird robotic vehicle, jumping over one another, or uh, systematically uh, uh, genociding a dungeon. It's a totally different genre, really. Hmm. Mm. Um, Freeform and uh, tabletop have the same extremes as... uh, Okay. So, uh, I think we are reaching our time limit are there any last words about glorant and free forms and other related topics well i wish more people would write them so we could come and play them <laughs> yes <laughs> have you uh played many of them as opposed to write them and refer to them some of them when i've been managed to get to conventions but uh, it would be nice to see some more 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 pitching up at uh, at conventions Okay. We'll, we'll we'll have to see if uh, Home of the Bold encourages other people to have a go at it. So yeah, and then we can play. I hope I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you have to go to rather niche places to play some. Yeah, that is true. 
And uh, traveling after those free forms uh, can uh, be quite costly. <laughs> it can, yes. Uh, but anyway, so uh, like I guess the next big chance for anybody listening to this to participate in the free form will be at KiosumCon uh, next spring, I think. Yeah, in Michigan. Yeah, April 18th to 21st. Yeah, so I, I should be there if all goes well, because I was at the last two Chaosium Cons. So I'm hoping to be there and participate in my very first free form. Actually, the, the first Chaosium Con, John Wick wanted to organize a free form, but it, um, it, it had to be canceled at the last minute because of uh, some COVID uh, problems. Uh, so that was supposed to be my first free form. Uh, but so hopefully it will be yours next year. So. Excellent. Looking forward to seeing everyone. Especially especially people's hats. Yeah, I'll have to find a hat. I've got like, you know, a few months to find a, a, a cool hat. Yeah. And I think uh, we will have to revive the newsletter for some pictures of that. Oh my god. <laughs> no, it's like you said, you know, I'm I'm making the hat so I can't take pictures of myself. <laughs> Um, so um, Kevin and I can volunteer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, ju just just to, just briefly, um, we will be putting out when you sign up to play the game. We will put out a character questionnaire or a questionnaire where when we uh, where we put down your preferences. And David and I will use a very scientific method of of, uh, of allocating roles. Um, <laughs> yes. So, and you will know. Um, a few weeks ahead of time what role you've, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be given and so that gives you the time to work on your hat um, 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 how many uh, how many uh, sides does your die have I do have a day 100 somewhere <laughs> yeah. if there's my 50 people my, it's my like, dice, yeah. dice collection so <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's a little it's, bit more scientific than that. Yeah, it's using a top AI algorithm, isn't it, David? The no, latest, exactly. yeah, exactly. Latest yeah. AI we're using for this, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> when Kevin writes the code, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> So uh, thanks again for having spent the time to talk to us about free forms. Um, I learned a whole bunch. I hope listeners learned too, and I hope they uh, signed up for Home of the Bold next year. We well, look forward to uh, seeing you, Ludo, and, and uh, yeah. um, finding out what your impression is afterwards. If you're still speaking to us, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, I'll play a few, write one, and then we'll see you again. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Thanks again for uh, coming on the show. Okay. Thank you for having us. Very welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of The God Learners. Our website is godlearners.com, where you can find episodes, newsletters, and articles about Glorantha. Reach us via email at collective at godlearners.com or via Twitter or Facebook at The God Learners for any questions or feedback. We are The God Learners. Question everything to the void and beyond. beyond.